0: Today's episode is brought to you by self-reflection. Why am I here? What am I doing? Why have I begun this journey? Do I really believe that at the end of this road is something of value? That I will finally fulfill some void in my life? And if I must take this journey, do I really need to take every road on the way? Are some stops, like 1990's Mega Man DOS, better left unexplored? All this and more on this episode of What? am I podcasting for? Doo 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 do. Yep, that's the music you're getting. Okay. Normally this is where I'd throw in some music in this game the first thing you have to know about this game is there is no music. I sorely considered recording some audio of the game and then realized I would not do that to somebody who's listening to this podcast so you're getting nothing this episode and you're gonna deal with it because I had to deal with this video game. Maybe you're not familiar with the phrase Mega Man DOS. To be fair, Capcom likes to pretend this game did not happen. So, the story of Mega Man DOS is kind of an interesting one. If you want the full details, I highly suggest you go look up The Gaming Historian on YouTube, who just very, very recently did a like 25-minute episode on the story of how the Mega Man DOS games plural came to be the short form is that there was an employee at capcom's western branch who prior to joining up with capcom had worked on porting video games onto different systems which the process of porting video games onto other systems back in the day you didn't have the same source code to work with and even if you did it didn't work on that new system and i know technically, that's a lot of, like, it's not like code is just immediately ported over between systems on modern games, either. But also, porting back in the day literally meant rebuilding games from scratch. But anyway, there was this one dude who used to work on porting games. He got kind of bored while working for Capcom's uh, more a software reviewer than an actual game developer, and started in his free time actually designing a Mega Man game just because. And at one point, his boss was like, hey, how how about we actually publish this? So, there's no involvement from capcom japan in this game's creation i don't know if it was ever even released in Japan, to be honest. This is all the work of one dude. And I am going to preface this by saying it is one dude's work, and that is actually impressive to pull off an entire game in an era when, honestly, PC games were not great yet. For those of you who might be familiar with PC gaming history and PC platformers in particular, this is a year before Duke Nukem. This is the same year as the Commander Keen series, which were some of the first platformers on PC to have, like, any sort of real note to them. And honestly, let's just say that I think there are reasons that platformers from the PC era tend to just have faded into nothing. Because you have to understand... At the moment, we are talking about 1990. Mega Man 3 did come out this year, and to give you a quick idea here, this was also the U.S. release date. Not even the original Japanese release date, but the same year as the U.S. release date of Super Mario Bros. 3. PC platforming was on a completely different level from NES platforming, and by a completely different level, I mean basically down in the basement. But anyway, where I'm going with all of this is that one dude was able to put together this whole game is actually like very impressive as a technical performance. There is no way that would have been easy to do, and I highly respect the work that went into this game, but respecting the effort that went into the game does not necessarily mean I think this is a good game. So, I'll give you the quick story blip from the back of the box, which, it's worth noting, the box art here is basically slightly adjusted and reused from a different Mega Man game, which is one we actually haven't talked about yet, and is, is one that's going to be coming up very shortly, Dr. Wily's Revenge, but on the back of the box, the game gives us what little story we get. As Mega Man, the robot wonderkind created to save the world, false, match your metal against the mind of Dr. Wily, a megalomaniac with the hardware to match his ego, Search Wiley's mechanobotic complex. Can't make that word up, that's what it says. From its mind bending maze of electrified corridors through giant whirling turbines and into paralyzing force fields. You must find the three keys into the core room, leap pools of supercharged gunk, pulverize ion sucking batims and other insidious insectobots. They're not robots, we'll get to that. Face a flax of slithering, seething cyborgs, all programmed to turn you into radioactive waste. At last, confront CRORQ, a mega computer revived by the psychotic calculations of Wiley's mad brain. Wait, revive what? Okay, so aside from whatever the hell that story bit was, let's talk about booting up the game because the first thing that the game will offer you there was two major graphic settings for this game, CGA and EGA. And if you're not familiar with CGA displays, um, all you really need to know about CGA is that it had roughly four colors it could display black, white, cyan, and shades of purple. (laughs) I mean, technically, I think it was slightly more than that, but it was certainly a color scheme. I mean, listen, if that's literally all that you have to work with at the time, okay. And to be fair, EGA is actually, like, it feels like a full-color display, and I will hand it to it. This game is, on a technical level, running at a higher resolution and with more detailed visuals than the NES titles. Doesn't mean it looks good, just on a technical level. But anyway, you boot up the game you hit start, sorry, fire, and you're immediately thrown into your first stage. And not actually a stage select screen, just into the first stage. This is actually kind of interesting to this game's credit, because I will give this game credit in its moments. This is the first time that a Mega Man game would actually have an opening stage. We probably won't see these in the official main series for a couple years, I think. I might be forgetting something. But again, for what it's worth, this was the first Mega Man game to feature an opening stage, and this opening stage involves you passing a checkpoint and then getting chased down by a robotic dog across a field until you reach the gate that is supposed to be, I guess, the entrance to Dr. Wily's Fortress. It is worth noting, the first signs that this game is really, really questionable in quality become really quickly obvious. First off, this dog is extremely difficult to kill. You can do it, but you're probably going to take some damage. The moment that you defeat it, another one spawns (laughs) The only way to really realistically get through this opening stage is just to run straight through the enemy, and that feels backwards, and then there's literally nothing else to the stage, so what? Oh, and I have to stop and talk about the controls for this game. Movement, left and right, is controlled with the left and right keys. We're not at WASD controls yet, yeah, that's that's a few years away in PC gaming. Spacebar is your fire. So far, we're still pretty good. The key to jump is J. The key to jump is J. Just... If you have a keyboard in front of you, please just put your hands on that keyboard and just try to imagine playing a game like that for a little bit and realize how incredibly physically uncomfortable that's going to get really fast, because it does. If you want to pop open your menu to switch weapons, you have to hit the escape key, and then you hit the key for the weapon, which interestingly, your default weapon is not M for Megabuster; it's P for Plasma Cannon, because apparently Mega Man has one of those. And then you have to swap back to the control scheme you had a few moments ago, and mm, Another thing I want to note before we get on to the actual stages here is there is no password system and there's no save system either, which this is a computer game. MS-DOS is a computer thing, if I haven't made that really clear. Why couldn't we have had saves? Like, serious question here. It's not like they would have been anything new to PC gaming. They'd had that at least. And it's not like... It needed a special adaptation physically to the cartridge to save data like an NES game would have. But this game has no passwords, no saves, no nothing. It's a good thing this is a really short game. Speaking of it being a short game, let's just head on to the stage select. Our three Robot Masters are Sonic Man, Volt Man, and Dynaman. Even for the fact that Mega Man fairly regularly has some pretty goofy-looking robots around, all of these Robot Masters do not look like Robot Masters. But we'll start by hitting up Sonic Man stage, which you would think would be something to do with, like, speakers or something. But then we hit the button for Sonic Man, and we get a glimpse of him, and he's a scuba diver with a trident. What? Naturally, his stage is also sort of themed around underwater. It it feels like we've gone into a public swimming pool, and also a series of ventilation shafts, and I guess maybe a bit boiler room this is a mess of a stage it's I mean the opening stage was really bad but I'm not really sure what this one was trying to achieve thematically and it's also where we start to see some of the oddities of this game they were just talking about insectobots as a thing and that's that's false the enemies in this game don't really show any robotic tendencies other than like three of them including that dog we just dealt with in the first stage your enemies are like mice running along the ground and mosquitoes and colonies of bats those are the clear hazards that you have to deal with this stage also has like steam vent turret things in the background that it's really easy to not realize are actually the things that are shooting at you at least the one thing i will give most of these stages a bit of credit for they do have checkpoints in fact they've got multiple checkpoints per stage which at least keeps some of the nonsense out of the way a bit i guess And also, these stages do tend to have, like, multiple distinctive sections. This stage has you jumping into piping and getting blown along by the wind. There's a pool section filled with casks of nuclear waste, because question mark. There's a segment with electrified floor segments you have to jump over, and you have to give them a wide berth, because if your toe so much as taps them, you'll take a ton of damage. And naturally, this being a Mega Man game, there are Yoku blocks here, and I'm not even going to insert the sound effect this time because it isn't that sound effect, but the Yoku blocks are here in every stage except the opening stage, and... <sighs> anyway, once we got through this fairly confused stage, we finally fight Scuba Man, I'm sorry, Sonic Man, who is really lazy boss that just floats up and down kind of roughly towards you, and... at Every time he reaches the zenith of his up-and-down movement, lobs out a couple shots that'll linger for a moment. This is where we find that the secret to every boss in this game is the fact that nothing in this game except the player has invincibility frames. So, literally, as fast as you can mash the button is as fast as you can do damage. It makes Sonic Man kind of a chump, and... Oh, you know, speaking of game speed, let me back up and just digress on I don't even care about keeping this one like formalized and structured. I forgot to mention that for all the technical impressiveness that this game has, and for all of the fact that, in truth, this game runs, I suppose, fairly steadily for its era, this is one of countless MS-DOS games that was never coded with a speed cap. And interestingly, if you're using DOSBox to run this game in a modern environment, the default cycle speed on DOSBox is about five to six times what it was probably designed to run at. (laughs) So that was a rough lesson to learn at first. But also, technically, if you want this game to be even easier, because it's not worried about frames or anything, you can just slow down the cycles in DOSBox, get a slower playing game, and then mash even faster into enemies. Anyway, this game is dumb. This boss was a scuba diver named Sonic Man, who, by the way, has a weapon- That fits Sonic Man, the Sonic Wave, which looks and almost kind of acts the way you expect it to, but also is a weapon he literally does not use as a boss. Anyway, we kill Sonic Man, and he drops what I swear to God, until I saw a still image cutscene-ish thing later in the game, I legitimately thought he just dropped a calculator, and then all the bosses were dropping calculators for some reason. It's the card key that we need. We also get equipped with the Sonic Wave. The Sonic Wave is a projectile that is stronger than your normal buster, wider. The part where I say wider actually matters. There are a number of enemies in this game, because so many of them are insects and rats and stuff. So many enemies in this game are actually too low for the mega. A buster to hit, oftentimes in corridors where there is not actually enough height for you to jump over the enemy either, and the only weapon that really effectively allows you to deal with them is the sonic wave. It's a pretty decent weapon as a result, more out of necessity from kind of crappy design than anything else. If you do miss with this weapon, it does the Gemini laser thing of bouncing around the room a little bit and not being able to be fired again, but at least in this one you can pause the game and switch weapons and it will erase any current instances of the weapon, so you can break yourself out of being like locked out of it this time, which is nice, but mm, anyway... Sonic Man out of the way. We'll head to what is probably actually the best level in the game, I think, creativity-wise, is Volt Man. True to the name Volt Man, his stage is basically supposed to be like a power generator facility, and to get there, we actually have a little segment I kind of like, where you are crossing a pit using a bunch of power lines. If things hit you, they can knock you down a level on the power lines, and you can actually jump down manually as well, but fall too far down from getting hit by sparks or enemies on the lines, and you will just fall into the pit and lose a life. Once you get into the facility proper, you'll have to deal with various uh, magnetic fields that'll push or pull you or slow you. They're not super clearly marked out and really fidgety, but at least they're trying something. Unfortunately, the stage pretty quickly devolves to just tight corridors with enemies that you're going to need the sonic wave in order to hurt. And, you know, some Yoku blocks over spikes because heck us, I guess. There's also I think maybe the only energy tank in the game is in this stage, or the only one I remember seeing, and it's at a spot where you can drop onto this little ledge on the left and destroy the wall that's there with the sonic wave and that will allow you to get the energy tank behind it except if you do this the wall explodes and the explosion actually comes with a hitbox. so you need to immediately turn around so that the game goes hey you got hit get knocked backwards and that knocks you towards the energy tank instead of down off the ledge it's dumb and i just really felt like pointing it out once we reach voltman he actually works kind of like you'd expect of a Robot Master, and probably is, no, definitely is the most interesting boss in this game. Partially because he actually, like, he has a design of being basically a large, like, V-shaped electroconductor with arms and legs, which is dumb enough to be a Robot Master instead of just a dude. What he does is he jumps up high, into the electricity in the ceiling and gets a shield that deflects all attacks. Then he takes two or three jumps roughly at your position and then will burst out the shield along with a couple energy shots which are all large projectiles you'll need to dodge and then that gives you a few moments to hit him before he jumps back up and recharges the shield. Actually, a competent, functional boss fight. Kind of tough, just because it is actually tough to avoid the attacks. He is weak to any spare Sonic wave you have and honestly, you can take a hit deliberately right before he becomes vulnerable and then use those invincibility frames to just unload an entire gauge of Sonic wave into him and kill him really quickly. But he is, as far as bosses in this game goes, he is by far the best and most interesting, and I think feels the most Mega Man. Speaking of feeling Mega Man, as I continue to praise this one out of five stages of this game, Voltman Man's weapon is the force field, which is the same shield he got, and this is also the first time in the series there is a shield weapon that actually protects you. The force field is turned on by pressing the button and then shuts down either when it runs out of energy, it will shut down if you press the button again, which is very different from weapons like the flash stopper, which once activated just kept going and going until they were out of energy, or until you run your face into an enemy, in which case you do a little bit of damage to them, but probably actually just damage yourself. Anyway, the point is is the force field actually negates Basically every projectile attack in this game. Even a couple of stage hazards get negated by this thing, and so it is actually a useful, well-designed shield, air quotes, weapon, air quotes. I don't hate it. You know, they took five shots in this game. There's five stages total, and one of them at least landed, and it is Voltman's stage. It's not, like, perfect, but Voltman and his weapon would feel at home in an actual Mega Man game. Points for that, I suppose. Our third and final Robot Master is Dynaman, who's just... um, He's a dude in a superhero suit with abs. Like, visible abs. It's it's so ridiculous anyway um I will say that dynaman stage does have a consistent theming of basically being in like a factory section of dr Wiley's fortress you'll have warehouses to cross through you'll have conveyor belts to climb across there's fire themed areas that would make sense as some sort of smelting pot there's like mechanical construction arms that come out of walls that you'll have to dodge there is actually one point in here where you have to deliberately fall down a pit while holding a direction in order to not fall into another pit and die and for this game's credit it actually clearly marks hey this is a pit you need to go down and also hold this direction as you go it's just the one time but it's a little bit forward thinking of the game to recognize that would be a dumb thing to do. But also in the same stage is a segment where you have to run through a series of tiny, tiny corridors, literally as tall as Mega Man, which are filled with large ants that cannot be hit with your basic weapon. So you need to use a weapon from another robot master in order to actually destroy them. Otherwise, you just have to tank them with your face. And that's, that's its own problem. It's worth noting that this section is right at the end of the stage so that you are appropriately disappointed for Dynaman himself, aka Discount Crash Man. Literally what he does is just jump around roughly in your direction and occasionally drop a bomb down that explodes for a couple seconds. He is almost literally Crash Man, except he's not reactive to you in any way. His bomb is always dropped straight down instead of aimed at you, so he's even easier. Also, because of the fact that Mega Man has invincibility frames and nothing else in this game does, if you have the force field, you can destroy Dynaman really quick by just jumping in his face and toggling force field on, like, a whole bunch of times. So, pretty easy, boss. The stage is harder than him, just because of the fact that you need to make it through with a certain amount of HP or weapons, which, not a fan of that. At least thematically, the stage is actually pretty cohesive and cool. Anyway, the weapon you get from him is the nuclear detonator. Hold on, what? Uh, yeah, no, that's that's what it says. It's called the nuclear detonator. So, hold up. First off, this doesn't just end the stage immediately and destroy everything in a fortress because, you know, this entire game does take place in one building. The nuclear detonator, despite the name, actually just throws out a set of TNT that bounces along the ground for a little while, and after a few seconds, or when you press the button again... After a minimum of about a second, the bomb will actually blow up and the explosion will linger for a moment. It's a trash-ass weapon. It's extremely hard to hit anything with this thing because of the basically the arming time on it, even though you can manually detonate it. Half the time, I swear the explosion doesn't actually hit the thing that I'm trying to hit with it. And also, the explosion can hurt yourself if you run into it for some reason. I tried using this against Sonic Man in the next stage because (sighs) I'm surprised the next stage has Robot Master refights. They at least got that right in homage to Mega Man. I tried using it against Sonic Man. Bloody impossible to hit him with it. Like, just forget it. It's a bad weapon and it should feel bad and don't use it. Anyway... We have a final stage to blitz through and the short form is, is that it's a little tiny versions of each of the three stages followed by the three robot masters and then one final hallway and then we have our final boss. But I will note for the first time in this entire game something recognizably Mega Man is here. Metars and Sniper Joes are enemies during this final stage. Not like random not even robot cats or anything new like that. Literally just Metars and Joes. They're, they're here. Yay! And at the very least when we get to the end of this, Doctor Wiley is piloting sort of a Wiley robot-ish. Actually, he's just piloting a bipedal walker thing that has like a computer front face. This is supposed to be that supercomputer he supposedly resurrected, which that's a lot to unpack as a statement. So I'm not even going to start. But it's literally just a long flat room with two slightly raised ledges at either side, and you shoot him in the face to do damage, and he occasionally shoots bullets back at you, and that's. That's literally it, is just this, this bipedal robot slowly and ominously walking towards you, and you can just outdamage race it with your basic buster. It's, it's such a joke of a final boss. Even the fact that it has two life bars, because of course you have to destroy the computer and then find out, oh, Dr. Wily was inside it the whole time. And then there's another life apart. Listen, that, that does not save how basic this boss is and how effortless it is. Anyway, we go through all that, and we get a single still screen for our efforts, which just has the text, Dr. Wily has surrendered. Mega Man has saved the planet from destruction, but will it last? Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. When I set out to do this podcast and made the decision that I was going to play all the Mega Man games. I knew it would involve playing this, and I knew it would involve playing this pretty early. Probably part of the reason it took me so long to do this, aside from, you know, personal hang-ups about how long it takes me to do anything, I didn't want to go through this game. And to this game's credit, looking at it from an analytical point of view and an understanding of what other PC games were like at this time, there's some stuff in this game that could have been salvageable. This is definitely the work of somebody who at least was familiar with Mega Man. It is worth noting, Mega Man looks a little bit derpy, but he is still recognizably Mega Man, and he even animates in a very, very similar way to Classic Mega Man. There's even kind of this like famous little thing where if you just slightly tap the forward button in the NES Mega Man games, Mega's foot will just like slightly slide forward and inch forward a little bit, because that's the first frame of the animation, and it'll just do that over and over again. And that is actually in this game. That was replicated, and that shows that this was done by a dude who was used to porting and understood what porting came up with. He was a competent programmer. This is surprisingly not a buggy game. But this is also a game where you can tell this dude is a programmer and not a designer. It is a competently coded and executed game, but the core design of it is just incredibly weak. And I feel like the spots that were strong in this game were possibly more by accident than any deliberate success. Would I recommend anybody else play this game? Hell no. Listen, just even if I've made this sound like slightly good for a moment, rather than play this game yourself, this game was run at an awesome games done quick one year. It's a good chance to see just how absurd the game is without having to be the one to play it yourself. Go watch that. Don't actually play this game. Do not do this to yourself, okay? I have played far worse games than this, but also it's just not worth the time. In my case, because I have committed to undertaking this journey, okay, this was the sacrifice I had to make, and we'll be making other sacrifices along this way. Not every Mega Man game that has ever been released is good. For instance, somehow there was another Mega Man DOS game made by this same dude. So we will be playing that at some point in the future, and obviously not all of the other Mega Man games that have been released since are um, you know, anything even resembling quality. Certainly, Mega Man is a series that has had its ups and downs. Am I going anywhere important with this? No. No, I don't think I am. I'm just rambling at this point. Anyway, with this game, we wrap up 1990. The next title we'll be tackling is Mega Man 4. We're going back to the main series proper, and to the first Mega Man game that I can say I actually remember owning as a kid, so that'll be a fun return trip to see if that's as good as I remember it or not. Anyway, thanks for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you can hit me up at what am I podcasting for at gmail.com? I'm on Twitter at What Am I Podcast For, as in the number four. You can find this podcast at waipf.podbean.com dot podbean dot com, or go hit up the distribution service of your choice. Thanks for listening, and remember a game being better than expected doesn't necessarily mean it's good if the expectations were trash. Good night.